Welcome to Tuning In with Kathy Presland and Maren Enkelman. We have conversations about human nature at work, how to be more of who you are and have more of what you want. Welcome to Tuning In. Today we want to talk about the thought-feeling connection and what to pay attention to, especially when we're in a professional environment. We want to show up with composure, we want to show up with equanimity. We often have a lot of thoughts running through our head and it's an interesting question to ask which of those are giving us useful information and which of those are giving us information that is actually holding us back from performing at our absolute best. How do we understand what to respond to, what not to respond to, and how do we know what to tune into? So welcome, Maren. Hello, Kathy. Nice to be here. I know this is something that you've been doing some thinking about as you've been doing some training. Do you want to give us a little bit of an introduction to what you're seeing? And then I have some questions from people in the community about this, which I thought we could answer. Well, I'm, I'm currently running some trainings with children who are uh, year six primary school children who are about to go into uh, the first um, really serious thing in their life, which is um, the SATs. And, you know, there's, it's always connected to a lot of stress and a lot of um, high running emotions. And um, I've been thinking about how to prepare children to be better equipped with their feelings and not let them take over in a sense to you know to 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 really be able to just get the most out of of what they can do and and actually enjoy the ride be excited and stimulated rather than frustrated and scared all the time and i think we can all agree can't we that stress is a bad thing inverted commas and i think with children we can see it really easily that actually something like exam pressure looks like a real thing and some people will often become quite ill over it so talk to us a little bit about what your what it is you want them to see not necessarily how you're going to do but what are the ideas that you want to share with them that you think will really make a difference i think the most important thing i want to bring across is that we always associate feelings with circumstances in in a conventional way and we're just reacting to what's out there so if someone if some if someone says something mean to me then of course I'm I'm angry or um, upset or sad or hurt or frustrated depending on who it is And, and and I think for them to see that a very much depends on who says what So the same word can actually mean something very different from different people, depending on your relationship and your thinking about this person. And then also like to see that whatever somebody says, somebody else can never create any feelings in you. It's You are the only one who, who can create feelings in yourself. And to get this distance between what's happening to you or what's coming towards you and your reaction to this and your response to your behavior that comes out of the feeling that shows up, I think is very, very important to be less, to make it less personal and less, less victim of what's going on in your life. 
And it's interesting, isn't it, how real that can look. And yet, at other times, I'm thinking of my 17-year-old, for example, who's pretty chilled most of the time. And he will sometimes give me examples of something that somebody said at school. And yet he brushes it off. He's like, oh, such and such. He didn't mean anything, mom. He was just in a bad mood or he was annoyed or he was feeling a bit low. He doesn't make it mean anything about him most of the time. His way of looking at the world or the way that he is just naturally in himself, the way that he's tuned in, as we would say, to, to this deeper sense of who he is, it just isn't bothering him. It's not that he's doing anything. He's not having to, to talk himself into a particular state of mind. He really just does not make it mean anything. And it's really interesting, isn't it, how individuals can respond differently and how each of us responds differently depending on our state of mind. And it often looks as if it's the external statement or the person or the circumstances that have created the way that we feel. But actually, it's the other way around. It's the state of mind that we have in that moment, which is creating the statement as hurtful or as something that we don't need to pay any attention to, that it's not what the other person said or did. How wonderful to be able to to distance yourself from other other people's moods and yeah. and to see that we'll be talking about bullying as well to to understand that other people are in their thinking in their own world and looking at you or at situations or whatever from their perspective which doesn't have doesn't necessarily have to do anything with you and their way of speaking their mind is just their version, but to be able to recognize that it's, it's so freeing. The way I sometimes explain it to clients and people I'm working with in seminars, it's as if we're all wearing separate virtual reality goggles. Yes. So we're walking around looking at the world through the lens of the particular virtual reality game that we're playing. Totally. And I think that the key place to get perspective is to understand that that's what's going on because then we can see that the other person who may have done something or said something or the thing that we think we're reacting to is really just another virtual reality game that somebody's engaged in and if we can see that then why would we respond to it I told you before we came on the call that my husband woke up last week and and said to me oh my goodness I've left my bag on a train in Ethiopia like with deadly seriousness (laughs) He does travel to Ethiopia. He has got a bag and he has previously left a whole bunch of shirts in a hotel in Ethiopia. So when he said this with this very, very serious look on his face, immediately the first place my mind went to was to to sift through my memories to find evidence for this being true. Because in that split second, it it seemed completely plausible. And I, I had evidence for why he could easily have left his bag. The train thing, maybe not so much. It looked really real to me for just a split second. And then I started to get a little bit curious and I could hear myself asking, well, but I thought I saw you with your bag yesterday. And I don't think you've been to Ethiopia for a few weeks. I started to get those questions like, hang on a minute, what's going on here? And this all happened in an instant. Of course, I realized he was telling me about a dream that he'd had. (laughs) This wasn't something that had really happened. (laughs) But for the split second that that I thought he was serious and I thought he really had left his bag on a train in Ethiopia, 
if I had continued to believe that to be true, then we would have gone into problem solving mode. Or I might even have got judgmental about him. Oh, you're so forgetful. You never remember. You know, I, I could have gone into a whole different range of emotional responses coming from the circumstances that I was creating in the way that I was looking at the world. And then as soon as I saw that it was a dream, there was no need for me to do anything whatsoever. And that's actually what's going on a lot of the time, that while something looks real to us, whether it exists or not, clearly the bag on a train in Ethiopia did not exist. But while I believed it to be real, then my very powerful human brain created it as something that I needed to do something about. And in the instant it dropped away and I could see it was a dream, there was literally nothing to do, literally nothing to do. It's like something changes in an instant. Mm. That's very much how the world is when we're in a professional situation as much as a personal situation, that while we are creating not meeting the budget as something that is an absolute looming disaster, then of course we will respond to it as if it is a looming disaster versus we have this particular financial milestone, which may be a factual reality, and letting go of what that means. That's a very different perspective. Yes, I think it is, it's a brilliant example, this, uh, this dream your husband had. For the difference it makes to, to realise what is real and what isn't. The problem with most of our problems is, yes, they're, they're made of thoughts, but we often don't recognise them as thoughts. And I think that's that's where the that's where the really tricky bit is. And and I've I hear that a lot that people say like, shall I just think, oh, it's oh, I, I did it myself, or I do it myself, kind of. Oh yeah, I I just tell myself it's thought, and then as long as you don't see the thought for this thing, the story that you you, you tell yourself, or the um, the actual thing that you're scared of. Um, it's really, really hard to to take it apart, and um, I think that's why it's it's so amazingly simple to to just recognise that feelings are always a result a result of 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 a thought, and that with a new thought you will have a new feeling. No feeling ever stays the same; it's just always going up and down, and up and down, and up and down in a constant flow it's it's so helpful not to be panicky about about feeling as soon as it comes yeah often we we do like oh my god i can feel the stress um you know there's this deadline coming up and then, then you're more stressed about being stressed than actually about the, the the deadline let alone being so stressed and in your head about the deadline you you get really really inefficient in actually meeting it because you, you just don't have any capacity that would allow you to <laughs> to work towards the deadline you need to meet to meet and um, seeing that this is going on is really such an important step to be less stressed about it so this brings me to some of the questions let me read out a couple of them which i think relate exactly to the example you've just raised so one is 
how can we learn to suppress our feelings, especially the negative emotions? She goes on to say, I have my ideas on that dot, dot, dot. And then I had another question. What do you think about all of the negative thoughts and emotions that completely block you when you have a depression or you give the example of feeling extremely stressed? And she asks, is it just thoughts in inverted commas? Sometimes I think that and then I'm worried that this is completely wrong for such a serious condition, dot, dot, dot. So those two things are kind of related, I think. And it seems to me that some of the time it appears that we need to do something about those feelings. It appears that it's not a good thing to feel bad about something, stress, frustration, anger, the whole range of, again, inverted commas, negative emotions. It appears that I should not be experiencing these. So therefore, I need to do something about it. And I think that misses what you talked about, Marin, that we have this natural ebb and flow of of emotional states, of feeling states. And if we allow them to pass, if we just recognize that actually this is how I feel in this moment, we're definitely not denying that the emotional experience is happening. But it's allowing it to pass kind of like the thermostat on the central heating. It gets too hot, then it's going to turn the radiators off to cool down. It gets too cold, then the radiators are going to kick back in. We don't need to be there turning the dial on the radiator. There's a kind of a natural balance, like a to and a fro, and you know, like you have biological ecosystems that have natural ways of regulating themselves. You get too many rabbits and then the lions are going to come and eat them then the rabbit population diminishes and so the predator population also diminishes. There's a kind of natural flow and it's the same with our emotional states. There's a natural ebb and flow to that emotional state. And because it's natural, first of all, it's not something that we need to worry about or to stress. And and it seems to me a very Western kind of cultural accepted belief that it's not good to experience negative emotions. And yet it's perfectly natural to experience negative emotions, to go through feelings of sadness, to go in and out of depression. And we all, to a greater or lesser extent, will come in and out of positive or negative emotions. And the kind of allowing, and I think an acceptance that actually this is just what it is to be human. And why would we not want to have those experiences? They don't mean anything. They, they are the experiences that we're going through in that moment. So in terms of what we can do about it, like I would say, experience it. We're not in the business of of asking people to to suppress those emotions. I think there is a big conditioning going on. And and that's something I see at the school and working a lot and with my own children. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, it starts really, really early when children get bored, for instance. You think, oh my God, you know, children should never be bored and and boredom is so important to feel that, you know, just to have that noise in your head where you can't hear anything, which will calm down by itself. And then there's a great idea. And one of these things that go through your head will be the next amazing thing that you do for, for the rest of the day. Oh, oh, the next half an hour, I don't know. But it's important to to hear that. And in the school I'm working, I, I hear a lot of judging about their good feelings and bad feelings, and we should not have bad feelings. Like anger is a bad feeling. 
well, why I think like anger is a totally healthy and important feeling. The thing is, judging prolongs these feelings and it, it turns them into something much, much bigger than they actually are. And that's the same thing for work environments. I find with stress, oh my God, I feel stressed, or I can't stand her, or she's not listening, she's not pulling her weight, and why do I always have to do everything myself? And if you have like the constant uh, misunderstanding with the same person, you continue to replay that particular part of the game, don't you? There's a really interesting part in the second question, which is, is it just thoughts and inverted commas? Sometimes I think that, and then I'm worried that this is completely wrong. It's such a serious condition. She's talking about depression. And, and what I see in that question is the person asking it he has an inkling that maybe some of the thoughts that are going through are not things that she needs to pay attention to. But then she's immediately jumping back into, oh, but I thought depression was really serious, so I do need to pay attention. And it's almost like she has a suspicion that the emotions kind of coming from the virtual reality game that she's playing in her head unconsciously. And she's seeing it. She's getting glimpses of that. So she knows not to pay attention to it. She knows it, it doesn't have relevance for her daily life. But then she's leaping back in. Oh, but everybody's telling me this game's reality. So she's jumping back in. And that's the interesting thing. As soon as we can get suspicious, in the same way that I got suspicious that my husband was actually telling me about a dream and not about leaving his bag in Ethiopia, as soon as I'm suspicious, hang on a minute, there's something not quite adding up in this scenario. My emotional state kind of dampens down, the noise dampens down, Ooh. and I can switch my focus into what is real. So what is real is whatever it is, showing up at work in a professional way, tapping into the deep sense of being present for my colleagues. What's this ship that we're steering in this, this organization or this business or this partnership that we're working on together? What's the direction we're heading? And what are the decisions that I want to make from a place of being clear-headed, not from a place of responding to my emotional state? That's the separation. If we think that our emotional state is a little bit like the, the thermostat on the central heating, to me it looks as if the real world is a little bit more like the electrical system and one does not interact with the other. They are separate systems. So we want to give our focus over to what's happening in the world, what's on my agenda today, what are the things I feel really driven to create in a work context, how do I show up? authentically with this person in front of me at work in a meeting and in negotiation you know how do I bring my best self while letting my emotional state take care of itself I was just um thinking about the reason why saying or hearing this is only thoughts and that makes a difference doesn't really help and I think the reason is very much because that is as individual for everyone as as it can be to give you an example what i what i mean i 
I used to get really, really, really angry with my children when they wouldn't do what I wanted. So angry. And I, I just thought, like, for God's sakes, you know, it wasn't that big a deal afterwards. But every time they, they would push that one button and I would get really, really, really angry, get loud and would like, you know, not, not <laughs> scream down at them, but to a thing where I, feel, where I felt I cannot control this. And at one at one point, and I and I I was wondering about that, and I was thinking, it's just you know, that's what 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 is it, you know? But what what is the thing? I realize that it's it's always the same the same thought that comes into my head, uh, and that is, oh my god, if somebody sees that I'm not in control of them, how does that look, or something like that? I felt really embarrassed for you know thinking like that and being that insecure, but it was some sort of insecurity. Um, that caused such an such a um, outburst in, inside of me, much more than anywhere else, which which felt not manageable by me. You know, I could I could not stop it. Like afterwards, I'd say like, you know, that was a bit over the top, but I just didn't understand where I was coming from. It was not something I could have managed with control or with a kind of um, counter 10 or I don't know what sort of uh, techniques there are I've never done a anger management course but <laughs> and I and I thought that's so simple and now I, I I I find myself laughing I really find myself laughing at in that moment I'm like oh you know I'm thinking about what that person on, uh, across the road thinks about my children, my, my parenting skills right now. Our whole relationship has, has completely changed because I'm just not getting completely over the top when, you know, when I, when I hear a word against my, my big, uh, I don't know, my big telling off or my big announcement or, you know. Isn't it funny how your behaviour changed as a result of you seeing that you were making up this story, basically? Totally. And yet what we often do in a work context is we see something that looks like a, a fault. I'm not doing the best parenting. I'm not doing the best whatever. I'm in some conflict with a, with a colleague here. And we rush to a behavioural solution. We rush to do this differently, do this differently, learning some habits, maybe even learning to take a breath or whatever. Or we talk about where this is coming from and the deep-seated, whatever emotional depths you could delve into. And actually, the only thing that's actually happening is you are running a story in your head about what some person across the street think of you. Exactly. And as soon as you saw that that was a crazy virtual reality story in your virtual reality game. I tried to change them. And that's the same you do in a, in a work situation because I'm upset about this colleague who keeps behaving in the world, keeps showing up in a way I do not appreciate. And whatever the reason is for my reaction to that causes whatever story I'm running, yeah, which I, which I haven't recognised. But yes. the, that's what I'm saying. It's so, so difficult to say... Oh, it's just your thinking. As long as you you haven't the moment, the second you can see, ah, this is what's going on. You kind of you you completely off the hook because it's yeah, it's it, it makes no sense to to get up the wall for the person across the road who you you will never see again in your life, you know. And and every child is not always saying yes, mummy. Of course, mummy. 
and I feel a lot freer, a lot, you know, there's no comparison whatsoever. After I've, I've seen that, I'm not responding to them, but to me feeling judged by someone else who I don't even know. The feeling that you had was not coming from your children. No. It was not that they were being badly behaved and so therefore you had something to feel angry about. You had a story that was creating the emotional reaction and then that was creating the anger that you were projecting at the children. Exactly. You're absolutely right. That's what we often don't see. It looks as if somebody else or circumstances or the way things are at work, it looks as if that's what's creating the feeling state. But we don't realize that underneath that, there is something that we're running in our heads. And sometimes these things become habits, which is why it always looks as if the children are irritating. It always looks as if they never get ready for school on the same time. Like, it always looks as if this colleague is particularly frustrating towards us because we get into these habit patterns of thinking in a certain way. And the place to dive into is not necessarily the analysis of that, but to see that everything that we think is like an illusion. Mm -hmm. And the only thing that's relevant is I want to have a loving relationship with my children. What do I need to do in these circumstances? Is the toddler about to run out in front of the bus and I need to pull him back? Or is it that he's just having a little bit of a tantrum in the pram and so what the best thing is just to let him be and he'll move on from it? So the same in a work situation, what is the thing that we need to do if I'm not listening to my own story and if I'm not buying into to the other person's story? Mm-hmm. And it was really interesting when I posted this topic to my friends, people wanted to rush in with solutions and it was kind of an ascending order of strategies that people suggested. And the first one was, well, you need to change your thoughts. You need to tell yourself that you're not really angry with your children. You really love your children. Well, we know that just doesn't work because We're trying to convince ourselves that black is white. Well, if it looks black, it looks black until you say, oh, well, actually, let me shine a light on it. Oh, now I see it's not black. It's very different to see it for yourself than it is to be told something and to try and convince yourself of something that doesn't look true. The second strategy is the distraction strategy, which I think does have a little bit of an effect that, oh, you need to go off and do something else, go for a walk and calm down. And sometimes this does work because our feelings settle. It's like the snow globe analogy. that If we're all stirred up and we're in a very angry state, we know instinctively that that's not a great place to come from. And so we'll do something to take ourselves out of a situation to settle down. And sometimes that's great. And it's even better when we realize that we're caught up in an angry story, that the anger isn't real. So there's a further thing to to see in that scenario. It can work as a tactic, but sometimes it doesn't work as a tactic. Sometimes we might continue to to run through the story about how terrible our partner is or how unjustified this behavior was to us. So sometimes distraction also doesn't work for as long as the situation looks like it's causing the the emotional response and then the third strategy that that some of my um friends and colleagues suggested is i think a slightly better one but again it's it's not really the solution which is to very much separate ourselves from thought there's a quote from victor frankl 
there's a space between stimulus and response. And so if we can create some space, then we can choose a different response. And that sounds very similar to what we're talking about. But again, we're talking about in the space that you have to just take a breath, to go back to the story about my husband having a dream. In the moment that I was able to, to kind of question what was really going on, I could immediately see that this was a dream. And so therefore, my response changed as a result of me seeing the situation differently in the same way that you gave the example with your children. As a result of you realizing that your reaction was coming through thought and was not coming from the children, the response just shifts. The response just shifts. And sometimes giving ourselves a little bit of space can can help that process happen. But the part that is working is not the space. The part that is working is the fact that we we see the thing that is a story as a story and we we realize it isn't as real as we as we think it is. And also the story as it could be something completely different to to what we think it is. Could be something from a completely different part of our life and that is showing up in a different context with a colleague or talked a lot uh, about being in control and having to be in control which seems to be a very hard perspective to come into this discussion because that's that's kind of constant work and there's so many things which are not in our control and if you if you feel that you have to always be on top of of everything and need to to be the the one that's holding everything together, you know it's a very tough place, isn't it? It's a really really tough place and hard work all the time. And and then somebody who's not even questioning this, but coming from a different place and being a bit more relaxed about it, or Approaching things differently might be a total, total, total disaster for you every time you see that person because you think, like, how on earth is he having these results with that sort of attitude? That can be really, really, really frustrating. It's not really about that person. It's about you having to have, like, a a certain way of, of dealing with things and creating that into a problem that other people have who don't, who don't see it that way. Well, it seems to me that the more time we spend believing thought to be real, mm. believing our emotional thinking state to be real and having to respond to it, whether that's controlling our environment, controlling other people, controlling our own circumstances, the more time we spend basically wrapped up in this illusion, the less time we have to spend creating results in the real world. And it's often the case that people who are very successful in achieving things in the real world are in some way distancing themselves from thought. And it, it could be in, in a kind of healthy way in that they don't see that thought's that relevant, so they don't pay attention to it. Or it could be that they're trying really hard to control thought and they're getting so wrapped up and sometimes those people end up with a burnout. But while we think we have to take our thinking seriously, while while we believe that to be true, there are a lot of things on our to-do list that we'll engage in. And as soon as we realise that actually most of these things, other people's emotional state, for example, the well-being of the people around us that actually when we see that we are responsible for a lot less than we think we are then 
there's just a lot less to do. Life just gets so much easier. We have more space for creativity and innovative thinking. We have more space and time for showing up for the people that we love and family and friends and work colleagues. Life is just a lot easier. I think that sets a very, very important point in the whole feeling discussion. How we get in our own way uh, through our feelings, um, you know, in, in kind of everyday situations. If we are in our heads about something that's really worrying us, we're not in the room, we're not present, we don't have the capacity to, to listen, to, to respond to, to what's going on in that moment. And it makes it so much harder to, to perform on a level that's, that's really useful or that's, that you want or that, that you're capable of. And that's why it's good to know that feelings are just a manifestation of thoughts and nothing else. Yeah. I had a client this morning who said uh, he can't believe how many years he spent in his company trying to perfect the systems for the way that they do things and how now looking back, he sees actually how much of that was out of his control and the way that he's showing up now, being responsive, being very present, taking stock of circumstances in now, the the moment now that he's with somebody is a very different way of being and a massively more effective way of being. Yeah, massively more. Rather than trying to find a perfect system and then assume the system will take care of everything because we're in a human world here working with other people and we, they, and the situation will, will always be, there'll always be some fluidity to it. So there were two more questions, Maren, that I'd like us to tackle if we can before we close today. One question is, am I always responsible for how I feel at any given moment? And the second one is, are there limits to how much altering our thinking can change troubling emotions? If so, what are these and what else can you do when this occurs? Let's take the second one first because we've kind of covered it, I think. And I thought your example with the children was a great one, which is if we're trying to change the way we think I am not angry towards my children, while we're trying to change something that looks real, we're just not going to have a lot of success with that or the success is going to be temporary or it's going to require a lot of mental effort on our part. And frustration because it doesn't work. And frustration because it doesn't work or it only works sometimes or it comes back or it's why am I such a terrible parent and then... Exactly, or the judgment that comes with it. (laughs) Yeah, why can't I stop doing this thing which I know to be whatever it is, self-judgment or judgment of others. So to me, it looks as if tinkering with something that looks real, tinkering with thought. I'm going to play with the thermostat and if I hold it at this place and maybe if I force the radiator to do a certain thing. To me, that looks like a lot of effort. We're in a system where that's going to take care of itself if we give it the space to pass. And the less we interfere, the easier it is for the thermostat just to respond and for the heating to come on and off as it needs to do to bring us back to this this kind of middle place. And then he goes on to say, what are these? What else can you do? And I think it's to, to keep questioning, to to have a suspicious mind. The first question I read out about the person who was saying, well, I've got these serious thoughts. Is it a depression? Is it real? Isn't it real? Like, like I think it's quite interesting to question some of the things that are going on. 
that to us look very real. Well, is the colleague really causing the frustration? What if this was something that actually I was playing through as a story in my mind? And what if it, what if it didn't need to exist like that? What then? And those kinds of questions that I think just lift it. Well, what if my husband didn't really leave his bag in Ethiopia? I could feel those questions running through my head. Yeah, but he had the bag. For a millisecond, my brain was playing detective. But if he had the bag yesterday, he hasn't been to Ethiopia since yesterday. Hmm. I could literally feel it. And so when we're in that playing detective mode, to me, that's a more useful strategy. And you know, maybe it still looks like he did go to Ethiopia. I can certainly gather some evidence on that. But maybe not. Maybe not since last night. That to me looks the most useful strategy. And then there's this question of responsibility. Am I always responsible for how I feel at any given moment? I'm going to come back to the thermostat example, that if the thermostat is set at a certain point, the radiators will be on or they'll go off. And and we're, we're not really in control, but there are things that we can do about that. So what do you think on that question? Are we always responsible? I, I, I love the question. I think we're, we, are, we are responsible for our actions. We don't choose the thoughts that come into our heads, but we have the choice of which thoughts we entertain in a way, in which we dwell on and feed on. I think every, every single person on the planet has times when they feel particularly low about themselves, about, about certain developments they would have liked faster or different and which they feel are out of their control which are out of their control often and uh, to to see that the problems we're having are very very often the same theme maybe in different different flavors or with a different underlying music you know but it's the same sort of a variation of the same story that you're running like we're stuck at a certain level in the game, isn't it? It comes to mind the first PlayStation games that my teenager plays. It's almost like we can't quite get through this level because we keep repeating the same mistake. Exactly. And if that if that's the case, then for me, it, it's it's been really really helpful to to be curious about what that is. And once I can see there's a pattern or there is some sort of thing that, that's recurring, then listen to it and see what that thing is that is coming back and then once you can name it once you once you know oh that's that story it's so much easy to, easier to recognize it and say like okay i i had that last time around and and i was fine afterwards it's it's so much easier to to see that it's not your bank account or your promotion or the boss or the next step in on the career ladder or the job that's frustrating you but it's the same thing that's almost always about you and almost always about something that you you, you don't really see as a thought you see as 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 a real thing that is something you can't do anything about it and i know that i've i've had a few of these really simple stories once I recognize them, they're not that scary anymore because I can see that they're not real. They're just me. Yeah. yeah. The thoughts that are going to flow through us, they're going to come from who knows where. 
who knows where thought comes from and creating that feeling state like the two things are inextricably linked the thoughts and the feelings it's like a chicken and egg thing it's just the swirling of the the mist almost around us so we're not responsible for that feeling but what we can do is we can we can take responsibility for whether we act from that or whether we tap into the place that is beyond the cloud that is beyond the feelings and come from that place and I think that's where the more responsibility we take as individuals to look for what's really going on here then the more obvious it becomes what those right actions are in any given situation and the less we're reacting to to the emotional state so when we really know what to pay attention to and we know what not to listen to so we can turn down the the dial on that background noise and we can tune into what's really important to pay attention to to me that's where the responsibility comes in is not not responsible for the state that we're in not responsible for the for the absolute gradation of temperature that we're experiencing in any moment Mm. but to take responsibility for for kind of understanding the machinery well how does this human operating system work so therefore how can i respond better how can i show up as a a better person a better work colleague a better partner parent etc etc great question i heard something in a in a slightly different context and that was about um you know inner knowing mm-hmm. And it is a quote, and I've forgotten who this is by, but um, the question was basically, how do I know if this is anxious thinking that I'm experiencing or if I hear my my inner wisdom telling me that I'd rather not go there or I'd rather not try that or, you know, it would be not wise to, to try this new thing that I haven't done before. And um, the quote was basically, every time you hear something with a lot of commas and a lot of reasoning, you know, it's your, it's your thinking and not your inner, inner knowing. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was so amazing because, you know, that, that's the question that so many people uh, ask, like which of the, the many voices in my head are, are real and which can I trust? As soon as we, we feel that there's a lot of arguing and buts and but then again kind of, you know, all these commas. The way it seems to me is that when we're listening to thought, you know, the thought emotion link, it's taking us in about 20 different directions. And it's like bouncing around the pinball machine. It's going here, it's going here. And is it this? Is it this? And it's like leaping from one thing to another thing. And that's very different than the sound that's underneath all of the noise. You're absolutely right that where there's a lot of yes, but, or, oh, maybe this, or we're qualifying things, then it sounds like we're trying to talk ourselves into something or we're justifying something. That in itself is is a very intellectual process. Yeah. And that's very different than what's really going on from a much, from a much deeper level and tapping into that. If I'm really 100% present in this situation, what do I hear? Literally, what do I hear from my colleagues? And what do I know to do next? It's a very different sound. It's a very different feeling. And this question is so fundamental to, you know, recognizing feelings as something that is thought created and not 
created by outside circumstances that is so fundamental to to really seeing how how we can dissolve them in a in a such a natural and kind and and gentle way just by by recognizing them as as something that is um part of of our creative process on on the way we experience our every days every day yeah Thank you, Marin, for this discussion today. Thank you, Kathy. And thank you for tuning in to us. And until next time. Thanks so much for tuning in with us today. You can find out more about Kathy at her website, kathypresden.com, and Marin at her website, onmind.me. Wishing you all the best until we connect again next time.